live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion, high atop Tent Hill, it's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine, featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockbirth! when I yell go at the end of that song. I like it too. You, you, you do? I like when you yell go. I, I like you. to yell at myself sometimes when I listen. Yeah, because it really amps you up for the show. We're in the booth going fucking nuts when that Hell song's yeah. playing. Banging my head against the wall. As everybody knows. I am Wiggly. I'm your host, one host of this thing here we do every week. It's called Arcade Weekly. It's part of the We Talk Games programming schedule. It's also a part of Giant Media Ball. GiantMediaBall.com. Our name is our address. Singing the Game Masters, of course, sitting high atop his pizza box stack in the closet of Mighty Trapdoor Towers. Singing the Game Master, owner of the We Talk Games Video Power Magazine. Also, the We Talk Games Committee for Podcast Conformity and Listener Integration, as you know them, like at Flipkeys, and of Team Rosenstein's Information Technologies, and Enriched Elbow Macaronis. Did he just inherit all this? Like, what? No, he I bought mean, it. What? Keith is on the line. Keith. Hey. The Robo Duke. You know the dues that we pay every month? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't put any money back into in, into the show? Well, yeah, I guess he puts it in his show by buying everything. Yeah. Buying all those pizzas. <laughs> that, big, that fucking stack over there. I think there. those are about eight or nine years old. So it's also made possible by the ST688. ST688. Through the high and advanced digital technology, the microelectronic programs of the production synthesize seven high energy biological electronic currents to direct aft to feet the body surface acupoints or mm, fixed acupoints of affected place. Induced by needling sensation through lifting, retaining and swirling the acupuncture needle, the stimulus can have anti-inflammation and dentamycine effect by inhibiting sympathetic nerve, dilating blood vessel, promoting blood circulation, and strengthening phagocytes of viscous and tissue. At the same time, high-energy pulse electronic can stimulate neuromuscle to extend and the resulting movement effects can effectively alleviate the fading and deal with paralysis and damage to peripheral nerve. The ST688, pick it up today. What can it do? Also, uh, a new part of the show, Stinky's Happy Births. Arnold Hagee is 86 years young today. <laughs> Happy birthday. 
Betsy Carmichael turns 108. There she, wow. Look at her. They're looking f- great for her age. Her nurses are blowing out the candles. They're shoving white rice pudding in her mouth. What a way to live. Happy 108 there, Betsy. Shauna Chan Godfrey is 18 today, and her phone number is... Eight. No. <laughs> you bunch of perverts. I ain't doing that. All right, what game do we have for this week? I'll give you another hint. I thought of this hint when I was uh, trying to fix the roof. He sits upon his throne and picks upon the bones, and he picks upon his thrones. The Black Widow! Nice, I like it. Alice Cooper gave an interview of how, you know, when he's Vincent Fernier, he's mild-mannered and, you know, a preacher's son, etc. But when Alice hits the stage, when Alice hits the stage, he knows where everything is. He knows where the horns, if they miss this part, if he miss that part, he's, he's, he's with it, man. He knows where everything is. And then in the next segment of this uh, program, he fucks up the lyrics. There you have it. But I don't know if that was the line, but it was something in Black Widow. Black Widow by Atari 1982. Is this our first vector-based game that we're doing? I don't... It might be... One of the few. Sure. I thought this was picked because uh, you know Chris Hardwick was like, hey, do Robotron. And we're like, now nah, we're going to do another <laughs> twin stick shooter that came out the same year. Yeah, that's what makes this uh, pretty amazing is that it, w- it was twin stick. And this was a way to go, I guess. You can move in uh, somewhat of a 360 degrees, I guess, eight, eight directions. Uh, yeah. Your spider, your black widow. And the husbands and the wives, he's deflowered. You can also move. And then you fire your web blasts like Spider-Woman, I guess, in eight different directions as well. Energy powers we know all Black Widows have. Right. Just like Spider-Woman. That's why she's Spider-Woman because she crawls around on the web. Wait, she doesn't. She flies like a spider and she shoots power bolts out of her hands like a spider. Yes. I love Spider-Woman, by the way, and I like when she was just a part of Hydra and she, you know, had the, the, the mask on and everything without the hair sticking out. She's a great character. She was. She was in Marvel Spotlight, I think. But then when she got her own book, then she had to go girly girl and have uh, her hair popping out and all this other stuff and red lipstick. And then, of course, the Spider-Woman toys of the vanity set, the jewelry set, and uh, sunglasses. The sunglasses. That's the, I don't have the sunglasses and I don't have the... Um, makeup set but i have the jewelry set yeah spider woman doesn't go anywhere without her jewelry <laughs> very hard to come by these rack toys not valuable at all but hard to find are we recording yeah good <laughs> all right all that other shit that we did jesus christ <sighs> in the same way you know spider woman loves jewelry apparently our star mm. in this black widow game loves money as well yeah because when you shoot your enemies the flies and the bugs and the insects, of course, they turn into dollar signs. <laughs> Why would not they? Yeah, I think they try to pass them off. They call them grub steaks. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think so. They're uh, supposed to be the babies of the enemies you're shooting at, and you eat them. Yeah, well, I don't know if you eat them, because I hear it go ka-ching when you get them. Let's go into a little bit of making mechanics. Everything all right? Oh my god. Stinky just fell through two floors of a fucking house. Stinky! Are you alright? Oh my god. Go be with Jesus, Stinky. Go be with Jesus. I thought you were fucking in the closet. I guess he went up on the roof, evidently, because he just fell through it. Jeez. I don't care. <laughs> well, I hope he's alright. I mean, you don't, you don't want TT to be angry. I'm okay. I fell on my head. 
Oh, boy. That's classic. <laughs> Why do I make this show so hard to edit? All right, let's get into the making mechanics while Stinky tries to uh, figure out how he's going to fix the... I can, it's a skylight now. <sighs> Asshole. <laughs> so, and of course, we have to start with Asteroids, 1979. Asteroids, very famous vector game. 1980, we had Star Castle, which is like a reverse Black Widow. Blah. Pardon me. Burp, by the way. Mm. You're trying to chip away at a spinning force field that surrounds a ship in the middle. This was by a company called Cinematronics, and we will hear a lot about them in the vector game market. They're a big player. I don't know what happened to Cinematronics. I don't know why they were called Cinematronics, because they did vector games. But maybe they also did Tronics for cinemas. Easiest pool, I think, for this would be Tempest 1981 by Atari, except that this game is also like a reverse Tempest with more play mechanics and the eight-way directions with the dual stick shooting, not necessarily making it better than its predecessor, but another game. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you could get... But Tempest is a really hard game to beat, especially if you're using the spinner knob. If you don't have a spinner knob, then Tempest is like, nah. Yeah, it's no nah. good. I'd, I don't know if I've played the original or only Tempest 2. Was 2000 was the console one, correct? 2000 was for the Atari by, uh, by Llama Guy. What's that, his name? Uh, Mintner. Mint, Minter. Jeff Mintner. Minter. Minter? Minter. Minotaur. Jeff Minotaur, yes. Yes. He left a hack in there, so if you press down these two buttons, you can enable analog spinner mode, and what you would do is you would take uh, the racing game controller from the Atari 2600. Oh, fuck, I got a call. 484. I got to take this. Hello? Oh, good. The Google Plus local specialist. Go to fuck. Um, <laughs> now, you need to have the steering wheel controller, not the Pong controller, because the Pong pot has a, a, a hard stop at both ends. This one has to be able to spin, spin, and spin, and spin. And you can mount it to the back of your Atari Jaguar controller and just do a couple of easy zip, zip little soldering uh, happenings. And whammo. You turn the controller over, your fingers can reach all three buttons, and you can control it with the spinner knob, and wow, that's one of the greatest games of all time. I'm actually surprised Black Widow came out after the original Tempest, considering I would say it's, it's not as uh, intensive with the vector graphics as Tempest is. Well, you know, there were dual, dual stick tank games around the time, and what, what's your pull for this same year, I think, 1982, what was that? Robotron. 2084, 9080, what's the fucking name? Oh. Robotron 2084 yes. was one that I pulled that came out the same year being another twin stick shooter. And I'd actually be interested to find out which one came out first, like which one hit the arcades first because was Robotron the first twin stick shooter or was Black Widow the first twin stick shooter? I'd, well, probably Battlezone and things like that. Like I said, there were, there were a lot, well, even before that, there were a lot of tank dual stick games okay and mainly you use that they were joysticks more than joysticks <laughs> to control your tank go this okay. way go that way like a tank does also in 1981 the first game i thought of immediately although it shares nothing in common except that it's vector and shit can come out of your enemy ships omega race by midway omega race also in 1981 one of my favorite titles in a game that doesn't get a lot of play very interesting game it's really not a race, but it takes place on a racetrack with bouncy sides and I believe bouncy middle as well. And there'll be these other 
geometric patterns on screen. One of them can shoot at you. The other ones are just sort of rocks, but they have little babies in the middle of them. And when they, when they give birth, the little babies can come after you and try to swarm you and shoot at you. Um, so it's a really neat title. No hyperspace, just um, moving around and shooting. Sega had quite a few vector games as well, which you might not realize. And most of their vector games had awesome generated speech. And usually only in the intros. One of the biggest users of this would be Space Fury 1981, where a giant head Mars attack looking alien taunts you with his triangle mouth. The gameplay is sort of like Space Wars and Asteroids mixed together, but with extra elements. So check out a lot of Sega's um, vector games. You'd be surprised. I didn't know they made any at all, actually. Yeah, and they all say, <laughs> Yeah, nothing like the sound of those old old arcade voices that would just sound like someone muffled behind a sandwich. Yes, it's almost like Fighting Street. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematronics, also in 1981, same year. This one is very similar to Black Widow, except that you're stationary in the middle. Boxing Bugs. One year before Black Widow. Boxing Bugs, which had your ship in the middle of some walls. And then there were bugs, just like in this game, there were bugs that would come towards you. They would pick up these vector bombs. And they would put these vector bombs on the walls that were protecting your ship. And your ship was a rectangle. The one end of it would shoot at the enemies, and the other end had this Three Stooges, Little Rascals type of extending scissoring boxing glove. So when you press the B button, your boxing glove would go out on this scissor. I don't know what you even call those scissor scaffold things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, uh, oh, what is it even? like? Yeah, there's this extender diamond-shaped things. You push yeah. the end and they go out. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, those scissoring things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the scissor sisters. Things. Yeah, that's why ladies like to play this. They scissored. So you would hit uh, these other bugs with your boxing gloves, or you could hit the regular bugs, but mostly with these be these like giant mothy looking bugs that would come to try to get you once a side was blown, or they could just sit on a side and try to, I don't know, eat through it or whatever. So you'd boxing glove them, and you try to shoot at these other guys trying to bring the bombs in at you. And that, so that's very similar, except that you don't move. You're, you're stationary in the middle. Very, very similar, especially in the look. I can see where Black Widow may have taken a little bit of inspiration if it wasn't already in development when this came out. Another one to look at is 1981 by Gremlin. Eliminator! Eliminator! Eliminator, I hardly knew her. <laughs> Actually, I didn't know her at all, so never mind. I didn't even eliminate her. <laughs> this is another one by Sega. By Gremlin Sega, yeah. Gremlin Sega? Yeah, Sega Gremlins. <laughs> is it by Sega? 1981 Eliminator. Developer and publisher from 1981 Eliminator is Sega, but maybe well, back then were they known as Gremlin? No. No, they couldn't. No, they have been. were known by Sega for a long time. Which see, this is for, once again why we shouldn't go to Wikipedia because no. they don't know what they're talking about. Well, it might be they might know. This is drawn from my memory, so it's not nothing like that. Well, when um, I look it up on another site, it says manufacturer is Sega slash Gremlin. Okay, what was I going to say about Eliminator? Oh, by Sega. Um, that stood for Southeast Guz. No, what does it stand for? Um, <laughs> service service games. Service games. 
Really? Yeah. We got, now, I think that has to do with military service, but I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, these would keep the troops entertained while they right, were away. Right. You know what another interesting game company name is that you wouldn't think? A Konami, which means uh, you'll think we're cool for a while and we'll turn into a bunch of assholes. Aww. <laughs> Aww. You, you have to separate. You have to separate no, the totally years. No, it's different Konami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. THQ. Guess what that stands for? I mm, totally hot queens. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the other one. But uh, <laughs> well, I'll give you a little hint. HQ, you know what that stands for? Uh, headquarters. Right. Is it like technology headquarters? No, toy headquarters. What? <laughs> yeah. How about that? How do you like apples? Um, I prefer bananas. Uh, you and Kirk Cameron. Now, 1982, we had Black Widow, of course. Also in 1982, Rockola, one of my favorite gaming companies, not because of anything they've ever made, but just because of their name. They had a prototype, and of course, if you're maiming around, you can play this c- prototype called QB3, which was like a Vector Robotron, but it was on a spinning cube. So you would have these enemies on each one of the eight planes of the cube. Right, cube has eight planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six. No, yeah, six. Oh, cube has six planes. Yeah. That's right. And airplanes. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) I thought that was trig. That's why I got it wrong. So on each one of these planes, there's uh, different enemies on there. And I think there's something you have to collect from each one of the sides. But you're this little dude, <laughs> Vector 3 dude, and you're running around, and as soon as you like hit the edge of it, the cube spins. So pretty advanced uh, in sounds, concept. Yeah, yeah that same really year. cool, actually. Yeah, same year. I guess, you know, it, it, it's kind of wonky, so that's maybe why it was only a prototype. Well, there is that one game where you're on a sphere, and I really like that game, that shooter, which I wish I could think of that I own for, like, 18 systems. Is it Star something? Yeah, I'm going to say that. Star Blaster Master Chaser. A Star Chaser Spherical Shooter. Yeah. Also, a raster game is going to enter the mix, which you already said, a raster game. But Data East made a game called Tornado, Tornado, which also had very similar play mechanics and also scores extra bonus points for being on the deco cassette system deco cassette system you must not listen to a lot of we talk games no i have but you know (laughs) yeah deco well you gotta you know what you should follow the deco cassette geek at twitter oh twitter all my info over there right the deco cassette geek because uh, the deco system if you wanted to play an old 8-bit game but you're like you know what i'd really like to wait three minutes for this to load before i play it I'm going to play the Deco Cassette System version of this game. This was an arcade where you right. like put in your quarter and have to wait three <laughs> minutes? No, no. You'd, you'd only power it up once uh, at the beginning of the day. Oh, uh, okay. Until, I was you know, thinking you like you put in a quarter and it's got to spin up the tape. Like, <laughs> yeah. all right, now let me wait for the game to load. No, but if you emulate it and you have on your CMOS emulation and all that other stuff, it'll say, you know, get ready in 108 seconds, that type of thing. Oh, okay. In 1983, we also had Cosmic Chasm by Cinematronics, and I mentioned that as well, because it's very, very similar. Oh, and another raster game that wouldn't come out for two years later, and I recommend it, also very, very similar to this, is called Snake Pit by Bally. Obviously, some type of inspiration by Indiana Jones and his hate of snakes and being in the pit and whipping them. You're in this uh, square arena, and the snakes come in down from the sides, and then you whip them. With your Indiana Jones whip. Nice. That was 84. Well, there was a very big vector game that came out in 1983. You missed. Oh, what was that? Also by Atari. Star Wars. 
Yeah, I know I missed it, but I didn't care. I know, but I care because that is one of, I think, the best vector games. Great looking. I think it still is really awesome, especially if you can come across one of the uh, sit-down units for it. I think they have one at the Barcade in Philly. Okay. I think they have it, and I'm sure if Kyle was here, he could let us know if there was one at the one in Brooklyn since he's a New York guy. Not that I know of. That's a small space. Oh, that one's really small. Yeah, I know. Well, they, they, not necessarily small, but it's it's narrow. You try to you know shoot your package down the hole. Yeah, you got to get it in there. The man. Death Star. Well, I'll talk a little bit about the Vectrix GCE by GCE. But first, let's take a look at hit the horn. What's it called? In, in the realm of gaming realm history. Of gaming history. Man, the chasm gets larger and larger each show at you, Keith. What happened in 1982? Your consoles, not, the Atari 5200 came out. The ColecoVision came out. Get the ColecoVision. Much better graphics. And television, a 16-bit system. Did you know that? Really? Looks worse than the Atari or the Coleco. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got more bits, man. Got more bits. Can take you- a bigger bite. And the Vectrix came out in the same year as the Atari and the ColecoVision. The Vectrix by GCE, you would play games just like Black Widow at home, in the comfort of your own living room. Much louder than the other gaming systems as well, so... Well, it depends. The sound chip on there and the amount of death it could cause you, not standardized, should we say? (laughs) It was an all-in-one system, meaning that it was a vertical black and white monitor well they call it grayscale but it you know it's sort of like an apple II or something like that whereas all in one built in except that instead of the horizontal screen you had a vertical just like many of the arcade games you had a four button control stick which could be inserted in the bottom of the system and then it would swing up along this like hinge and that would conceal the reset and the volume controls and such and such like that and it would also create a very smooth front on your case so you could leave this on your home sloppy joe's bar or or on a shelf or you know anywhere that it wouldn't look ugly it would look very nice it would look very neat it looks like a little arcade unit for a real a little tiny man. It definitely is. There was another port for a second controller, and there was a slot on the side for cartridges. And the control stick was a very thin, self-centering, analog-feeling joystick. Getting used to those controls, well, you know what? Not until the gamepad came out, which I believe started on the Game & Watch games. The D-pad really revolutionized the feel of playing games. You know, if you're holding a joystick, it's kind of rough. And that's why they used to make these things you could set on your lap that would suction cup to the joystick and whatever. It felt more like a uh, like the stick on a radio-controlled playing transmitter. Like I said, don't try to fix the system yourself. Or the, the tube in there holds a dangerous charge. The system also had a light pen for drawing applications and 3D goggles. Each cartridge would come with a pretty sturdy color overlay and had the same type of overlays that you would see them on the vector games in the arcade. Because, you know, vectors were black on a white screen. They later came out with phosphorescent type of vectors that they would use. So you, you could have multicolor vectors. I think that's how Black Widow is. The only thing that was missing was the color-rendered backgrounds. The, the background effects on the arcade, if you remember, Asteroids Deluxe came out and there was like this space scene in the background the space invaders version that right. had the background as well in there I, I remember seeing those at a place called carousel in uh, seaside heights one of the best arcades ever that damn hurricane sandy uh, oh, totally destroyed i see lost to the ocean uh those beautiful beautiful classic arcade machine right yeah. on. and that was achieved by placing the monitor 
above the play field right where your face would go and then that would project down on this uh, plexiglass type of thing it was a very common practice in early arcade games and that allowed you to dump in whatever type of graphic you'd want in the background underneath that plexiglass this would also be used again in pinball 2000 to try to save pinball to project a full motion video onto the pinball play field you could of course do the Revenge from Mars, I believe that was the name of it. And said, yes, the one that has the, the video screen on there you can shoot through. I believe there's also a Star Wars Episode One pinball. Yeah, set. there definitely is, and that, that was all part of the big plan to destroy pinball. <sighs> Damn it, Luke. Lucas. Yeah. Well, the, Vectri- the Vectrix would have rocked you two bills. In 1982, that would be a little more than the cost of a PS4 nowadays. Wow. Um, if you paid $450 for your PS4. Uh, now, make it that what you will. I think it breaks about even, considering the technology of their respective times of their releases and what you got with the Vectric system as opposed to what you get with the PS4. I mean, what do you really get? A console that you could play Netflix on. I could play Netflix on a $20 dongle I plug into my television. Yeah, my PS4 <laughs> uh, plays Crunchyroll. So I can watch yeah. all my One Piece. There you go. That's what I mostly use it for at this right point. But I mean, the you Vectrix, know, it's all in one, man. You get a screen with it. You know, you get a PS4. You still got to get something to hook it up to. You can buy the six hundred dollar three D twenty five inch Sony television, which now you could get for one thirty. What? Check Groupon for refurbs. It won't come with the Motor Storm, but one thirty for a twenty four inch three D television monitor that you could use as your regular computer monitor. Check it out. Supplies are limited. And then could I play these Vectrix games in 3D on that monitor, maybe? Absolutely not. Oh, darn. This episode's <laughs> going all over the place. There's these things that came out, these glasses that for passive lenses. Now, that screen is an active... So if you know anything about active and passive, active is much better because you have the Sega Master System flipping back and forth of these over each eye that give you a much crisper, less ghosting 3D image as opposed to the, the passive. I love the passive. I don't give a shit, but just to let you know, that's what type of quality television this is. But now they have these new passive glasses. And believe it or not, passive glasses actually do have a red... I guess they just call it red and green, even though they just look gray. There are sides to it, of course, and one's red and one's uh, greenish. I don't know how the fuck you could see that, but that's what it is. You can buy this real inexpensive, I think it comes like five to a set, four or five to a set for like $12. One glass pair of glasses will only be green, green, the other side will only be red. And what you can do is instead of having your split screen shooter games where you're, you know, playing against somebody, co-op or whatever, where you have a split screen and you each have your own shooting whatevers, you know, like in 007, split screen shooter, I'm going to call it. So you and a friend could do this. All you have to do is set your 3D television to either be over under or side by side, which are two different methods of creating 3D images. Now you'll each have a full screen view of your own character on the same television screen because both images are projected simultaneously. One person only sees the green and another person only sees the red, which is full color. So that's why I mean it. You can't really tell they're green or red. Wow. Yeah, look that up. I'll put it in the show notes. There are 30 some games or programs. I don't recall the exact number that were ports of cinematronic arcade games and other types of arcades. You had Star Trek on there. And uh, there have also been about. Two times as many games created after 1995 for what the Vectrix. Really? That, that uh, 
I was about to say homebrew games yeah. that uh, fans are making. Exactly. All together, you would have over under some games. I have a multi-cart, which uh, you turn on and off a series of dip switches in different patterns, and that correlates to a different title. Now, the problem with that is you don't get the screen overlay, and the screen overlays are more cost-worthy than the games themselves. Then we get in Black Widow Atari 1982. Not one button Wii Wii action, number one, right there. And Black Widow, as we mentioned, you are a spider. It is one single screen, and there's a spider web on there. I think they're bonus levels. You don't go somewhere else. The bonus levels are... On the uh, web. Yeah, looks to me like little arrows, like a mouse on your screen. Right, right. With wings come flying at That's you right. in a line. So much like Zookeeper, the bonus levels, you actually could die and lose a life. Yes, so, that was very aggravating. They're not really... They're not, I don't know why they call them bonus levels. I guess because changing levels, maybe? You're the spider. You crawl around on your web. You can't get hit by bugs or else you spin around and you're dead. And there's a hole in the middle of your web and there's sides of your webs. So you could shoot your power balls at the different enemies that come at you from out of nowhere. They just materialize from the sides of the screen. The enemies will initially come after you and you will shoot them. And then there are certain enemy types that can grab the grub stakes, the little dollar signs, and turn them into eggs. And they turn those into eggs, the grubs, I guess. So the grub steaks are what you're trying to eat their babies. Yeah. They're trying to take the grub babies and help them mature. Right. So if they get to them first, they'll grow into more enemies, which will then try to kill you. And so a really good strategy to do is corral the enemies towards you so the grub steaks are closer because they will continually go after those dollar signs to turn them into eggs, to turn them into more enemies. Right and if they do turn into eggs, what you want to do is you got to try to push them off the edge for points or in the center of the web for points as well. It's a wave-based game where you're trying to see how far you can get, but it's also a score-based game where you're trying to get a higher score and, and get your initials up on that board. I forgot about that new thing. The new thing? Yeah. Uh, one thing that we have to mention for Stinky, even though he might... I th- oh, he crawled away. I don't know where he went. Yeah, I think he said he was okay. I know, but his elbow was sticking out his ass. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Uh, I thought he always looked that way. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Yeah, it depends on what angle you look at him from. But yes. uh, you cannot spell out stinky on this game. You only have three initial slots. Yeah, unlike our uh, previous two games we talked about where they just give you a whole line to spell out their, your whole name, which I love being able to put Robo Duke. Yeah. All the way across. Because if I try to shorten that down, it's RDK, and then someone's just like, R Dick? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I'm always lucky because I put in wig, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even back in the arcades, people will always say, I, sh- I saw your name on the other arcade game. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah, really so- happened. I don't have a middle initial, so I can't even use all three spaces. Gotcha. Yeah. What a jerk. You I are. know, my parents are such jerks. They didn't even know you when they named you. I know, and they're all like, he doesn't need a middle name. He'll never get his name up on a scoreboard. <laughs> I showed them. Since you're only controlling two joysticks, one fires and the other one moves you, when you're trying to push these dudes off the edge, there's no like grab feature. They don't have a homing beacon or anything on your spider. You just have to push, get them in front of you and push. So either push them towards the middle, like you said, or off to the edges. And they both score the same amount of points, no matter if you go to the middle or the edge. If you had been shooting in one direction, you can kind of push them with your side, too, and nudge them off the edge that way. You don't have to be directly facing them, I think, to push them. Right. What I meant more better 
is that <laughs> get on either side of them that you would allow you to push them into the center or out towards the circumference. Yeah, and I think the center is more points. So if you can get, I don't the think center, so. It's not. I think it's the same. It's the same. It did in both ways, and I thought they would said 500, 500 or something. Oh, maybe, something. maybe it did. I, I always figure a bullseye the center, that's more points, man. Well, once again, we haven't played this game, so we don't really know. Yeah, it didn't play. I just watched some other guy play it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, well, then that must have been boring. No, this is a game that you should definitely give a try. Kyle brought it up for some reason. I don't know why he wanted us to review it, but uh, he said that we'd do a good job at it. I don't think we did. By the same token, it, no, it's a neat game. You know, if you like dual stick games... This is going to be somewhere around those feelings. Yes. And it is fast-paced. It contains all the same sounds that you would hear around this time from Atari. Yeah, it gets super frantic. You can pick your level of difficulty to start oh, at. Right. Which I, yeah. Which I never started more than at the very lowest because it gets like wave 9 or 10. It gets super-duper frantic. So many bugs flying around on the screen. There's also a bug killer, like a friendly bug. That will come right, out. Right. You can't kill him. He can't hurt you. And the only thing is he'll kill some enemies for you. But the problem is you don't get those points. That stage selection is really odd. But Atari loved to do that. And that's why you had like all these buttons on your Atari 2600. You had these switches and you'd put it here or there. One and put it two player or one player. And then you'd have, I'm selecting game five of one player. I'm selecting two, nine, or something like that. So having this level select on an arcade game, although not unheard of, pretty rare, pretty rare. The levels, as uh, they increase in difficulty, the web actually starts to change color, and uh, the different lines will become walls. So if, oh, the, right. if it turns... Yeah, so if it's red, it's a wall, and you can't pass through it, but your enemy can pass through it, which can be a little difficult to, to kind of spot, considering when the enemies go through it, you'll assume I, you know, you can mm -hmm. move through it, but if right. it's red, you can't. It's a so, barrier. Yeah, it starts getting difficult. I know around like wave nine or ten, like there's a point where it's almost like an actual spiral going through the web in the red, which makes it really difficult to start maneuvering and stuff, considering... Uh, a lot of modern twin-stick shooters have an open play field. This one starts messing with it the farther you get and increasing the bugs as well. I think that's what initially reminded me of Omega Race because of those appearing sidewalls that you would bounce off of and stuff. Although in here you can't bounce. Fortunately, it doesn't kill you. <laughs> if you had to try to mitigate this like a, like a maze with the electrified walls, then we would be in trouble. Who knows? I, I don't think so, but... <laughs> I'm sure it gets even crazier and more complicated the farther it gets, but it's a difficult game. Yeah, indeed. So is Boxing Bugs, but Boxing Bugs has humor. Yeah, this is much more serious. Scissoring Boxing. Yeah, this, this is serious shit right here. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of fun if you're a fan of games like uh, Geometry Wars and all these modern twin-stick shooting games that they have. There's like a million of them on the Xbox indie zombie twin-stick shooter. Yeah. Go back and play this because a lot of the foundation for those type of games that exist now came from games like this and Robotron 2084 and stuff like that. And uh, the Battlezone and the other ones you mentioned, the twin-stick tank games and stuff like that. This, this is where it all started. So know your roots. Right on. A video game used to be more than just the game that you're playing. It was also the interface. And that's why every time people would poop on the Wii, it's like, well, this is nothing new. These are elements that existed since 
the earliest games of Nintendo. It makes me really sad that we're moving so towards a digital age because, you know, in the arcades, part of the experience was seeing that machine and seeing the glass art all lit up and what's on the side art. And, you know, then it moved into, well, what's the cool box art on my, on my package? And now I just <laughs> download it online. You know, I just get a menu on a screen, which, which is fine, but it's not the same aesthetic. And it's, it's something I miss a lot, you know. Right on. Now this is part of the show where we give a movie title. We treat the video game as if it was a movie, and we give a byline to it. Much like the same way, like, uh, here's a good example. Um, roller games. Wait, that was never a movie. Uh, <laughs> let's see, what's a movie? I never a saw roller it. ball is a movie? Yeah, roller ball. The stakes are high. I don't remember what the tagline for that one is. I think that's also a lost art. All of them nowadays are just like, it's gonna rock you. <laughs> They're so fast, you'll be furious. There you go. You know, I yes. guess that that sounds like one, right? Yes. So, do you have a movie title for Black Widow? A, a movie, a movie tagline. Yes, Black Widow the movie. Uh, Black Widow, the only movie where you'll cheer for a baby eater. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's better than mine. Shit, it should have went first. Here's mine. <laughs> Black Widow. No matter how hard you squint, it still won't look like a spider. <laughs> nope. So what's your clue for next week there, Keith? Hey. <laughs> it, it lives. Oh, it God, lives okay. four, I guess. It lives in space. No, that was Leprechaun. I think it lives only went up to three. Hey, I just got a great idea because I fell on my head. Can't wait. All right, what's he got? Next week, we're going to start uh, SOS, the Summer of Stink. No, we won't. Yes, we will. Yeah, okay. He, 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 he does own us. Wicked. I know, but I got to try. Maybe he's got something good this time. Check your pager, and then give me a phone call, and I'll tell you what the game for next week is going to be. Oh, wait. You can't give a clue, then. I'll give a clue. Let's all enter... The Egg of Voltron. I think I know exactly what that is. Is it those robotic cats laying eggs? Is that what he just said? Whatever, you heard it here first and second. The, the Summer of Stink be coming at you next week. Get excited! Get excited and get excited. All right, everybody. Hey, don't be a jerk all the time. We went long. We hope you like us. Bye-bye. What's the matter, Snarf? You got a cold. You, you've got to snap out of it, Lion-O. Call the Thundercats before. Shut up, you fuck. And keep your foot off that blasted Samoflange. What the fuck is a Samoflange? I have to do that again. Hey, Panthro. Go away. Can't you see I'm busy? Oh, come on! You really just gonna ignore us forever? What are you so grumpy about anyway? You're standing on my samoflange. Ah. Sorry.